Welcome to Sermons in the Park, a ministry exploring biblical truth from the Word of God, focusing on the truths that help us in our daily walk with Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, here is your Reverend, Jamie McCaskill. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Now, before we get started today, I want to make sure to mention to you that... uh, over on the podcast, we have a lot going on, okay? Um, like right now, we're doing the, um, I'm going to be, this Friday, I will be doing an interview with Bishop, Archbishop uh, James, I'm sorry, Archbishop Ronald Enright. Uh, he is a Catholic priest, and he has o- o- over 40 years of experience, okay? Uh, he's been involved in exorcism. Uh, the ministry of exorcism actually and he's trained he was trained by many 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 uh different exorcists over the years um they were his mentors and they were also former bishops um he has established the order of uh exorcists that's called the uh sacred order of saint michael the archangel um if you go over their site and you look through their exorcist directory you'll actually find me listed in there um, him and um, him and members of the order are available uh, by appointment for demonic investigations, exorcisms, house blessings, and uh, you know other different religious rituals. Um, now, you can find their their, their websites actually orderoftheexorcist.com, um, and he actually has a book coming out pretty soon. Um, actually, no, it might already be available uh, called The Exorcist's Secret Journal. You're to do a a search on that. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting me a copy. I don't have one yet, but uh, it is one that I personally am looking forward to picking up and reading. Uh, so now with that out of the way, let's bow our heads and thank our Heavenly Father for all the great and wonderful gifts that He's given us. Heavenly Father, we come to you like we do each and every Sunday, like we should every day. I know many of us, we fall short in that, and we're sorry. We, you know, we should thank you every day for even the fact that we wake up in the morning and breathe, that we have breath to breathe, that we have the energy to, to, to take our feet and move them out of bed and place them on the floor because there are people out there who do not even have that. So we should all be very thankful. We should thank you for the gift of just life itself, for the fact that we have people to argue with. You know, even if we don't get along with them, we should still thank you for the fact that we can argue with them. You know, there are people, many great and wonderful people here that you placed here in our lives, Father, for different reasons. We thank you for the opportunity to evangelize to people. Even if we fall short in that matter, we thank you for the chance to do it. We, Father, we bump into people every day that in, in that little moment might save their life. That moment that we distract them for five seconds might keep them from being in a car accident or a house fire or anything and we thank you for just that opportunity we love you father and we thank you for your son jesus who came so long ago to die so that we can have this close relationship with you and we thank you in his sweet and glorious name amen so if this is your first time tuning in to sermons in the park either rather on the videos or the podcast I want to make sure to uh, let you know what we do here on Sundays. Now, over on the podcast, we touch on a lot of different things, like how this Friday I'm going to be um, 
you know, interviewing Archbishop Ron. Um, but, you know, I, I deal with, we deal with a lot of different things over there. You know, like uh, today I actually did one on the Witch of Endor where just, we just dove into her just a little bit more. You know, a long time ago I did one on Lilith. Um, we deal with, you know, uh, I've done several sermons on, or several episodes on Saul and on Paul and on, you know, I'm getting ready soon to do, to do one on Stephen. So, I just want you guys to realize that the podcast is there. So, on Sundays, what we do is we take the we take a book of the Bible. Like right now, we're doing uh, Genesis, right? And we break it down chapter by chapter, verse by verse, right? Uh, so here we are. We're in the middle, actually, of chapter thirty-one. And um, if you if you if you haven't been tuning in, I offer, offer you this opportunity now to pause. If you're over on YouTube, you can go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis where I did an introduction. And then the next one was chapter 1, chapter 2, and so on and so forth until you get back. So once you pause right now, I promise I'm not going anywhere if you pause. I'll be right here waiting on you. And then come back when you get here and just pick up where we left off. Because um, here we are, like I said, we're in chapter 31. And as we read it, we read here, we will be finishing up the chapter today. Um, I want you to, while we're going along, I want you to keep in mind that the names that we're going to see, we have Jagger Sahadutha, which I know I butchered, and Gilead, right? Both of those actually mean heap of witness uh, in Aramaic as well as in Hebrew. And then we see an expression in verse 41 that I want you to keep this in mind when you get there, because when we get there, I want you to keep in mind what I'm saying right now, and that is that this is not a benediction. And I'm sure that you believe that because there's been many ministers that teach it. But no, it is a spoken curse. He says, may God destroy you if you cross this boundary. Now, also, I want you to also notice that after this, we never see Laban again. In fact, this is the last contact that the patriarchs have with their homeland and their relatives. So let us go on and turn back to where we were last week, Genesis chapter 31, and we're going to start, we're not going to read the whole chapter again. We're going to start at, <laughs> yeah, it's a long one, right? We're going to start at verse 32, and we're going to read the rest of the chapter, which is to verse 55. Genesis chapter 30, 31, verse 32 is where we're starting. With whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Before our brethren discern thou what is thine with me, and take it to thee, for Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went to Jacob's tent, I'm sorry, i got to put this light back on. It's going to cast a little bit of light here, but I can't see too well. There. <laughs> and Laban went into Jacob's tent, and into Leah's tent, and into the two maidservants' tents, but he found them not. Then went he out of Leah's tent, and entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the images, and put them in the camel's furniture, and set upon them, and Laban searched all the tent, but found them not. And she said unto her father, 
Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise before thee, for the custom of women is upon me. And he searched, but found not the images. And Jacob was wroth, and chode with Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? Whereas thou hast searched all my stuff, what hast thou found of all thy household stuff? Set it here before my brethren, and my brethren that they may judge betwixt us both. This twenty years have I been with thee, thy ewes, thy she-goats, have not cast their young, and the rams and thy flocks have I not eaten. That which was torn of beast I brought not unto thee, I bear the loss of it, of my hand didst thou require it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was, in the days of drought, consumed me, I'm sorry, thus I was, in the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from mine eyes. Thus have I taken twenty years in thy house, I served thee fourteen years, for the two daughters, and six years for thy cattle, and thou hast charged my wages, changed, I'm sorry, my wages ten times, except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac, has been with me. Surely thou hast sent me away now empty. God hath seen mine affliction, and the labor of mine hands, and rebuked thee yesternight. And Laban answered, and said unto Jacob, these daughters are my daughters, these children are my children, and these cattle are my cattle. And all that thou seest is mine. And what can I do this day unto these my daughters, and unto their children, which they have borne? Now therefore come thou, let me make a covenant, I and you, and let it be for a witness between me and thee. And Jacob took a stone, and set it up for a pillar. And Jacob said unto his brethren, Gather stones, and they took stones, and made a heap, and they did eat there upon the heap. And Laban called it Jeger Sahadutha, but Jacob called it Gilead. And Laban said, This heap is a witness betwixt me and thee this day. Before was the name of it called Gilead. And Mizpah, for he said, The Lord watched between me and thee, when he was, when we are absent one from another, if thou shalt afflict my daughters, or if thou shalt take other wives beside my daughters, no man is with us. See, God is witness betwixt me and thee. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold this pillar, which I have cast betwixt me and thee. This heap be witness, and this pillar be witness, that I will not pass over this heap to thee and that thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me for harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, jugs betwixt us, and Jacob sware by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount and called his brethren to eat bread. And they did eat bread and tarried all night in the mount. And early in the morning Laban rose up kissed his sons and his daughters, and blessed them. And Laban departed and returned unto his 
place. So what we usually do, right? After we read, we go back to that first verse that we read, we reread it, and we break it down. So, verse 32 says, right? So let's read that. With whomsoever thou findest thy God, gods, I'm sorry, let him not live. Before our brethren discern thou what is thine with me, and take it to thee. For Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. So it starts off with what? It says, With whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Now this is, Joe, this is Jacob talking here. And he's actually answering you know, what Laban asked him. Because, like, like I said, as we know, Jacob didn't know anything about him. He didn't know that, that, that uh, you know, his, his wife stole him. Right? And <coughs> so he was safe. He was safe when he says this. He was confident that, you know, no one that was with him took him. But honestly, in my opinion, he's very rash for saying that. Because, you see, he's given Laban leave to kill whoever he finds them with, right? And, and even worse, even worse, because he's saying that the person should be put to death, you know, by the hand of God, right? Seriously, he says it. He says, may he not live. And if you don't live, then what do you do? You die immediately, you know, before their time, because that's what the Targum of Jonathan puts it. He goes on to say, before our brethren discern thou what is thine with me and take it to thee. This would not only be, you know, those idols, okay? This is also th the goods, you know, his cattle or, or whatever it is he finds in the tents or flocks. Anything that belonged to Laban. He was telling him, you know, hey, you're welcome to take it. And we see that. He's declaring this before those men that were with Laban, who he, he considers his brethren, the ones that Laban brought with him. You know, like I said, he calls them our brethren. These were his kinfolk, right? His neighbors. He's appealing to them to be a witness that he's being honest. You know, you know and, and of his integrity and the fact that he's dealing with him fairly because he is conscious of the fact that, hey, I didn't take anything. I didn't take anything that belonged to Laban. Then we see what? It says right there. It says, For Jacob knew not Rachel had stolen them. You know, the items that were stolen were, of course, those images, those idols. I think if he knew, because who it was, because it's Rachel, right? He would have spoken just a little bit more carefully. Like I said, he's saying this before he even knew Rachel took them. He didn't know she took these false gods at all. So, let's go look at verse 33 now. It says, And Laban went into Jacob's tent, and into Leah's tent, and into the two maidservants' tents. But he found them not. Then he went out to, out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. We see him enter whose first? He enters Jacob's tent first. The verse says it. It says, And Laban went into Jacob's tent. He entered it first. Why? Because, well, he thought that this is where he's going to find them. Thinking that he took them. You know, not because of their value. 
He's doing it out of contempt. Okay? Now, then it says, and then to lay his tent. Now, this doesn't mean that he went into it next, but it's just mentioning it next because, you know, that's who he thought might have taken them, you know, to venerate them, right? Then it says what? It says, and then to the two maidservants' tents, meaning, of course, who? Bilhah and Zilpha. I also think they're mentioned together as the tent, right, of them, because... Most likely, they shared a tent as a way of showing that they were not his principal wives, if you will. Anyway, the verse says, but he found them not, meaning he didn't find them. He didn't find them in any of the tents that he looked so far. And then the verse says this, then he went out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. So, he goes to Rachel's tent last. I think that this shows us that this right here was the one person that he least expected would have taken it. Maybe she was the least, maybe either she was least addicted to idols, you know, and superstitions. Maybe, right? Now, Aben Ezra believed that he may have gone into Leah's tent twice. And that, you know, this was after that second time. He also believed that Jacob's tent was between Leah and Rachel's tent. Again, remember, we can clearly see in the Old Testament that men and their wives slept in different tents, or as they were called back then, apartments. And as we read on, I want you to bear in mind that one dishonest deed will always, always need more and more dishonest dishonesty and trickery to cover it up. Just think about like when somebody lies, they're going to lie but then they got to cover that up. So somebody else might come and go, hey I heard that this happened well you're not going to be honest with that person because then they might go tell the person you lied to the first time. So one always needs more. You got to cover it up and cover it up and cover it up. One lie after the other. One sin after the other. Now let's go into verse 34. Now Rachel had taken the image and put them in the camel's furniture and sat upon them. And Laban searched all the tent, but found them not. It starts off with what? Now Rachel had taken the images. So what happened was, she, had, she heard Laban talking. She knew he was there looking for him. She heard Jacob, you know, give him permission to search. And, and that, you know, that he was allowed to kill whoever took them. She, so she went and she took them from wherever they were hidden, wherever she already, you know, even should have them, wherever she had them put away. The verse says, and put them into the camel's furniture. Now this seems odd to you or me today, but what it means is the furniture that she would have rode on, right? You see, you've seen in movies where they have like that big chair up on top of the camel. So it seems that this was actually in her tent. You know, you know some actually believe that it was a saddle, but this seems to say that it was the saddle cloth, or even, like I said, the housing of some kind. Because it says that she put them in it, right? So, she must have wrapped it up in something, or she put it, you know, under a cloth. The verse then says something. It says that she, and she sat upon them. You know, meaning the images. And this shows us that she didn't respect them at all. 
Or, because if she had, she wouldn't have done this, right? We see Laban searched her tent. He searched everywhere. Everywhere but where she sat. And then in the next verse we see something. Read on with me. Verse 35. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my lord that I cannot rise up before thee, for the custom of women is upon me. And he searched but found not the images. Do you see that? It says, And she said to her father. So, so Laban walks into her tent, right? And she must have been sitting there, and he, you know, he was searching the whole tent. The verse then says, Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise up before thee. So look at how she addresses him. She, she addresses him with respect, with honor. She calls him her Lord. Why? Well, he's her father. Even if he was unkind, he was still her father. This is something we should all learn because... Like my, a lot of kids are very disrespectful to their parents, and they shouldn't be. You should always honor your parents. It's in the Bible. It's in the Ten Commandments. Honor thy mother and thy father. So she calls him Lord because he's her father. Like I said, even though he was unkind to her, he was still her father. She speaks to him telling him not to be displeased, but that she doesn't stand up. And she says that it's her showing, you know, when she says that it's her showing him respect, Right? And here's you're going to see why I'm kind of stumbling because I was trying to avoid this. Because it says that, for the custom of women is upon me. Do you know what that means? Ladies, you, you probably are getting kind of a hint. She's telling him in a very, very respectful way that she's on her cycle. You know, back before the laws of Moses, when a woman had that was considered pollution. You're not supposed to touch her you're not even supposed to come near her not only that but whatever that purse that woman sat on was considered unclean and it shouldn't be touched and I'll show you look at Leviticus chapter 15 verse 19 let me lean over here where the light is Leviticus chapter 15, verse 19. And if a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days, and whoever toucheth her shall be unclean until the even. Right? The verse says, back to where we are in Genesis, and he searched, meaning that he looked. He looked all around her. But again, he did not, ma he did not make her get up, though. There's no way that he would have expected her to put that idol underneath of her. Okay? The verse goes on to say, but found not the images. So he stopped looking. Also, if you look, he never searches near the cattle at all. We don't read that, do we? He knew Jacob was honest. Now when you look here in these verses, you can see that he cared. He cared more for those idols than he did the lives of his own daughters. 
right? If he found them, I have no doubt that he would have killed her. Rachel is, is committing another sin here. She lied. She lied to cover up her sin of theft. Jacob had already spoken death on the one that the idol was found on. Now, whether or not Rachel worshipped them, I don't know. Did she want them for the value of the money? I don't know. Did she do it to, to anger her father? I don't know. And guess what? We will never know. But we will see that not only did it provoke Laban, it also angered God. Verse 36. And Jacob was wroth and chode with Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? Right there at the start we see, And Jacob was wroth and chode with Laban. Now, now that he answered Laban's questions, now that Laban searched and found nothing, right, Jacob got his courage back, right? Sorry, my eyes are like dry. <laughs> he got his courage back. He, he was a little high-spirited, if you will. And now that, that it was his turn to speak, he's hot, right? Now he does, he does get a little carried away. Okay, he goes a little bit too far, but there's still no excuse for his sin and his weakness. But his reasoning is strong and nervous. His reasoning is, is very strong and pathetic. In his temper, he shows his wrath. He shows his resentment, right? The verse says, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, remember, Laban was the one that accused him. He accused him of doing a very bad thing. So he asks him, he says, what is my trespass? What is my sin? He's asking him, hey man, what did I do to offend you? What sin have I committed against God or man? The verse goes on to say, that thou hast so hotly pursued after me. I think it's pretty obvious. Laban moved very quick to get on that trail. He moved very fast. He chased him down. And he had a big party of people with him. Like Jacob was a thief or a robber or even a murderer, right? Verse 37. Whereas thou hast searched all my stuff, what hast thou found of all my household stuff? Set it here before my brethren and, and thy brethren, that they may judge betwixt us. I love this. I love it. Because he tells Laban to set it all out. Set it all out right here where everybody can see it. And judge betwixt us both. You see, it was the theft that, that Rachel committed, as well as her, you know, covering it up, her dishonesty, that all that that's what caused all of this. All this conflict between her husband and her father. Now the only thing that will resolve it is judicial inquiry before witnesses. So Jacob was straight out, man. He was upset. So, let us try to take this verse here and let us put it into, into some of that Louisiana speech. I want to see if I can make it easier for you to understand. Okay? He said, show everyone here what you found. And if you did not find anything, shut up about it. He wanted him to allow the servants to be the judge. In the next few verses, Jacob, he registers his complaint that he had unfairly experienced all the losses that an owner would have, <laughs> and that he also experienced all the discomfort in fulfilling 
all of his responsibility. He also tells them, he tells, he tells them that if it were not for God, Laban would have taken everything. Verse 38. This twenty years have I been with thee, thy ewes and thy she-goats have not cast their young, and the rams and thy flocks have I not eaten. Look at that, look at that, look at that. Twenty years have I been with thee. Do you realize what that means? That means that Jacob would have been 97 years old at this point. The verse then says, Thy ewes and thy she-goats have not cast their youngs. I think that it should say very few of them. You see, it was very it's a very rare case for them to be abortive, if ever. This, though, was because of the blessing of God for the sake of Jacob and under God, right? For them to go to Jacob for him to care for and his diligence in watching and keeping his flocks and taking care of them, right? And then it says, And the rams of the, of the flocks have I not eaten. This tells us that he'd been content with the, uh, the meaner foods, things like lentil soups, pottages, things like that. We can see the exact opposite when we look at Ezekiel 34, 3. Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with it. Well, I mean, sorry. Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them with... You, <laughs> sorry, I'm having so much trouble reading this. Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. Okay? So, next verse is verse 39. That which was torn of beasts, I brought not unto thee. I bear the loss of it. Of my hand didst thou require it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Right? What we see here is Jacob telling Laban that he was blessed. You see, his flocks, they had increased. Why had they increased? Jacob is telling him. Because Jacob did what was expected of him. Or even more. Right? Laban got more than he expected out of any worker. But Jacob, as I said, he had taken all the losses. All the losses on his herd that were destroyed by wild animals. Jacob never killed any of Laban's flock. He had never eaten any of them. Laban here, he had no reason to complain whatsoever. Right? Verse 40 now. Thus I was in the days of the drought consumed... I always have trouble with this verse. I'm sorry. Even when I'm reading it in my private time, I always have trouble with this verse. Thus I was in the day the drought consumed me and the frost by night and my sleep departed from my eyes. He says, thus I was. He's saying that 
This was a situation that he found himself in, as well as the uh, the uncomfortable plight that we're about to read about, right? In the day the drought consumed me, in the night by, um, <laughs> and the frost by night. The head of the daytime was scorching him. And then, or I should say the heat, why did I say the head? The heat of the, <laughs> of the daytime was scorching him, okay? And then it got really cold at night. Anybody that lives in a desert will tell you, it's, it's really hot during the daytime, but then it gets really cold at night. And it will actually cause frost. And, he's, and that's what he's saying here, that the frost pinched him. It's taking place in, in the different seasons of the year. The heat in the summer, right? And then we have the cold in the winter. Because excessive heat in the daytime, it's sharp, right? And, the, and then, of course, the frost at night, that, that would take place during the same season. Laban did not allow Jacob to con the convenience of clothing. That's how it sounds to me. Or maybe he didn't even give him a tent to sleep in. Other shepherds, they would have had this. But look what Jacob says. He says, And my sleep departed from my eyes. This was because he was staying awake. He was watching the, fl the, the flocks all night long. That can sometimes be very necessary. Take a look. Luke chapter 2 verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flocks by night. He's telling Laban, hey man, I'm keeping the flocks day and night time, no matter the weather. I'm pushing my own body to do this for you. Verse 41. Thus have I been twenty years in thy house. I served thee fourteen years for the two daughters, and six years for thy cattle, and thou hast charged, changed my wages, what? Ten times. Ten times. We talked about that last week, right? He starts off by telling him what he says, Thus have I been twenty years in thy house. <clears throat> He's been living with Laban and putting up with all that garbage, right? All these things that he's naming off, all these inconveniences, all these hardships. And he says, I served thee 14 years for thy two daughters. He served him seven years for Rachel. And instead of Rachel, what did he give him? He gave him Leah, right? Laban was sneaky. And then, then because he still wanted Rachel, he served yet another seven years. And he did it for her. But no, 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 no. You see, Laban, he should have given them to him with a dowry as well. Remember, Jacob was the heir of Canaan, not some servant. Then we read what? We read, And six years for thy cattle, as many of them, you know, that were produced from a flock of white sheep that were spotted and speckled and ring-staked or brown, whatever. Then we see, and thou hast changed my wages ten times. 
We read about that last week in verse 7, remember? This was the first time that we see Jacob actually mention how long he labored for Laban. 20 years. That is a long, long, long time. He also reminds Laban that Leah and Rachel no longer belong to him. Neither do those cattle. Jacob owed him nothing. He had fulfilled his part of the bargain. This right here is Laban wanting to go back on that deal. That's all this is. That's all this is. Verse 42. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac, had been with me, surely thou hadst sent me away now empty. God hath seen mine affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked thee yesternight. Now, for here where it, where it says the fear of Isaac, we also see this same thing in verse 53. It says the fear of his father Isaac. This was another one of God's divine names and it signifies Jacob's identification of the God who... who who caused Isaac to uh, show him reverence. Read it again. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac, had been with me. Now, I've seen some people get confused. They, and I want to let it, I'm, I'm going to try to clear this up. This is the one true God. And that is what it means. Who was the God of his father Isaac? And before him, who was the God of Abraham? And even now, now, who is the fear of Isaac? Who did he fear? Who did he serve with reverence? The same one at this time he was the worshiper of. The one true God. He says that if it was not for his father's God being beside him, protecting him, preserving him, blessing him, allowing him to prosper, then surely thou wouldst have sent me away now empty. He's saying that Laban would have come and come at him with some force and taken it all back. His wives, his children, his servants, his cattle, everything. He says, God hath seen my affliction and the labor of my hands. God saw what Laban put him through. He saw how hard Jacob worked for Laban, feeding his flocks. So, when you break all this down, okay, Jacob is telling Laban that if God had not given him that dream, he knows he would have come into his camp with a large group of men and would have taken away his daughters, taken away all of Jacob's animals, everything. By force. God protects his own. Without exception. Jacob was divinely protected by God himself. Amen. Verse 43. And Laban answered and said unto Jacob, These daughters are my daughters. These children are my children. These cattle are my cattle. And all that thou seest is mine. And what can I do this day unto these my daughters and unto their children which they have born? We see Laban's answer, don't we? 
What's it start off with? And Laban answered and said unto Jacob, Notice! He doesn't deny the truth. He also does not acknowledge any fault. Did you see him ask for forgiveness? No. But, <clears throat> doesn't it sound like he was convicted in his conscience? He, he pled his case. But, we only see him grasping for straws. <laughs> he says that all of this, all of it, was his. He says, these are my daughters. He's saying that even though they were Jacob's wives, they're still his own flesh. His, his own flesh and blood, which is true. He's saying that they're dear to him. He's pretending to have natural affection for them. He goes on to say, and these children are my children. They're his grandchildren. True. He's saying he loves them. These cattle are my cattle. Now, this can be confusing. If you go into the Targum of Jonathan, you'll see it say, of my cattle. Meaning that they came from his cattle. And, yeah, that's true. Right? The verse goes on, and all that thou seest is mine. He's bragging, isn't he? He's bragging. He's saying, I, am I not generous to not demand it back? The verse then says, What can I do this day unto these my daughters and unto their children which they have borne? This right here, when I read it, what I'm hearing, I don't know about you, what I'm hearing is I cannot hurt them. I cannot do something bad to them. I would let them have everything. When we look at this verse, it's easy to see what Laban felt. He felt that everything and everyone there belonged to him. He's saying that he would not take any of it by force. Because he loves Rachel. He loves Leah. He loves his grandkids. But you see, the real reason right we know the real reason because God stepped in Laban is afraid of the one true God that's the only reason he wouldn't take it by force verse 44 now therefore come thou let us make a covenant I and thou and let it be for a witness between me and Thee. Let us make a covenant, he says. Even though Laban's views everything that Jacob had as his own. I mean, Jacob arrived 20 years ago with nothing. Right? He had nothing. Even though he viewed it that way. We know that the matter is its on Jacob's side here. Laban, he, he, he left with nothing. We see a treaty struck here that was, and this was actually very customary. We read later that they make a covenant, you know, not to hurt each other. They do it with piles of stones, and, and these heaps were a testament to the treaty, right? And the place. They 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 consecrate meals. They eat and. They make oaths in the name of their God, and agreement was sanctioned properly, and it concluded. 
then they parted and yeah I'm having trouble with this but <laughs> I already said this but it bears repeating we never hear about Abraham's family going back there so all contact just must have ended as we read here Laban he, he decided that he wanted peace he wanted peace between him and Jacob he knew that you know if Jacob mounted an army and came against him that he would be destroyed right because he knew God was with Jacob he knew that there was no match for God so that's what we've seen here he's asking for a treaty with Jacob verse 45 and Jacob took a stone and set it for a pillar Jacob he took a stone and set it for a pillar by doing this after the last verse this shows us that Jacob was ready to agree to it he took a very large stone one that was probably already there and he stood it up on one end making it you know a standing monument and it, it stood as a memorial of their agreement verse 46 and Jacob said unto his brethren gather stones and they took stones and made a heap and they did eat there upon the heap it says and Jacob said unto his brethren gather stones now I want to clear up the air these are not his sons the Targum of Jonathan and Jarki both tell us that these would not have been called brethren he would not have called his sons brethren and besides it just wouldn't fit they were too young there was no way they could have done this they could not have gathered large stones that would have held this thing up these would have been his servants okay the ones that he hired to keep his sheep he probably considered them brethren because let's remember he worked as a shepherd himself he he would have been able to command them it only made sense that he used that okay unless you want to believe that maybe these are the men that Laban brought with him and since Jacob also worked for Laban he would have also called these men his brethren right and if you believe that then this was not an authoritative statement it was a request which they complied with okay the verse goes on to say and they took stones and made a heap meaning they went they gathered these stones and they laid them in an orderly way so that they would make a heap or a pile if you will the verse then says and they did eat there upon the heap they used it like a table they they set their food on it and they ate off of it okay what what I, I mean it could be that they ate there beside it right I mean it was not unusual for people to eat as they they made their covenant this isn't this is not unusual they they eating and drinking together this always been a token of friendship of goodwill did you know that the Chinese people call a friendship that is firm and, and stable and uh, unending they call it a stony friendship did you know that I mean anyway <laughs> is it possible that it came from this custom a custom or, or one similar 
course, we may never know. Anyway, they built this monument, and it reminded them of this treaty. And, and then they, they broke bread together to seal the friendship. Then, in the next few verses, we see the, those words that I mentioned, I told you, don't forget. Jigger Sahudatha. I know I'm butchering it. I'm going to butcher it every time I say it. Galid. And then we also see another one. Mizpah. Both of those first two words are the same thing. It's just different languages. Aramaic and Hebrew. And they both mean, like I said earlier, heap of witnesses. And then, then we have that last word, Mizpah. Mizpah means watchtower. Verse 47. And Laban called it Jegar Sahadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. Laban, it says, called it Jegar Sahadutha. Now, this is the name of the place in Syriac and Chaldee language. It means a heap of witnesses because. Let's remember, these stones were meant to be witnesses to that covenant that they made. And then Jacob, it says, called it Galid. Now, this, this was a Hebrew word. And it means the same thing. A heap of witnesses. Or a heap, the witnesses. And this is for the same reason. Like I said, way earlier in chapter 25, Laban was a Syrian. So, he would have spoken the Syrian language. Jacob, he's a descendant of Abraham. He's a Hebrew, and he spoke Hebrew. So, <laughs> they named it in their native tongue. So the people from their lines would also understand the meaning. Even though they're not very different, right? As we have seen, they understand each other. So, they must have at least be a dialect of the same language, I'm guessing, right? Verse 48. And Laban said, This heap is a witness between me and thee this day. Therefore was the name of it called Galid. So it starts off with, And Laban said, This heap is a witness between me and thee this day. Meaning, they were witnesses. The, the rocks and stones were a witness of this covenant. The one that they're about to make. But, but, they also would be a witness against them if they broke that covenant. The verse says, Therefore was the name of it called Galid, this being the name that Jacob gave it. Verse 49. And Mizpah, for he said, The Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent one from another. Again, this is a Hebrew word. I don't know if y'all know or remember this, but when Jennifer was in that rehab center after her coma, I wore a little thing on a bracelet. You probably saw it. It was a half of a coin. It was called a Mispa coin. I got that online. I wore one. She wore the other one. Anyway, a Mispa is symbolic. It's a, a watch or a watchtower. As we read on, this seems to, to be given by Laban, who, who could speak Hebrew. He could speak Hebrew and Syrian or Chaldee. The verse says, For he said, The Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent one from another, or even hid one from another. Meaning, when they're apart, 
when they when they couldn't see each other or what they agreed to do or not to do with their present covenant this is him just saying that the Lord sees all the Lord knows all he's saying that God would watch over between both of them them and their actions and, and would give them you know what they deserved by their actions if they broke the covenant or they kept the covenant right verse 50 if thou shalt afflict my daughters or if thou shalt take a, take other wives beside my daughters no man is with us see God is witness betwixt me and thee I love this verse I love it just look at that right there it says if thou shalt afflict my daughters no distinction is made there both their bodies or their minds meaning not to hit them or not to speak ill words to them also he cannot withhold things from them things that they need to you know things they need to live like food and water clothing whatever the verse says or if thou shalt take other wives besides my daughters well that would hurt them wouldn't it I want you to look at something care what you think it hurts them when you cheat on your wife no matter what it hurts them Leviticus 18 18 Neither shall thou take a wife to her sister to vex her, to uncover her nakedness besides the other in her life. Let me read that again. I messed it up. Neither shall thou take a wife to her sister to vex her, to uncover her nakedness beside the other in her lifetime. Even though we know about Jacob's current polygamy, that was caused by Laban. He did not want he didn't want him to go any further, right? For his daughter's sake. Because that is who he's currently seeking kindness and affection for. Even though he had not shown them any of that before. Isn't it a little off that he's speaking more religiously here? <laughs> anyway, pay attention to what he says here. He says, no man is with us. Remember, Laban brought people with him. He brought his brethren with him. They're there. So this is not meaning that there's no men there. And unlike I read how some say that he meant that there were no men there that are fit to be witnesses, because like I said, these are his kinsmen. He And we know that Jacob appealed to them. He asked them to be the judge back in verse 33. I think he's speaking of the future here. He's saying even though there's no man with us meaning that they were that even though no one would be there to see what they're doing right no one there to report them he says god is witness betwixt me and thee you see god god is omnipotent he's omniscient he's omnipotent god sees all and god deals with us the way he sees fit He's saying God would be the witness. 
because and because of that they should behave like they should you know to the terms of the covenant right verse 51 and Laban said to Jacob behold this heap and behold this pillar which I have cast betwixt me and thee he has a lot to say this time doesn't he the verse says, and Laban said to Jacob. So he's just continuing to speak. He's just going on and on and on. And we see and we see what he says. It says, Behold this heap, and behold this pillar, which I have cast betwixt me and thee. He's speaking of that of that heap of stones that we just were talking about. The ones that have been gathered and laid together. And of course the pillar that had been erected by Jacob. And again, you notice how cocky Laban is? He's taking credit for all of it. He's saying that he's the one that erected it. Unless there was another pillar there that Laban had erected, but when we look at the Samaritan version, we look at the Arabic version, we what do we read? We read, which thou hast seen and set. That's the same as we see back in verse 45. Okay? Back in verse 45, what did it say? And Jacob took a stone and set it up for the pillar. So, take it how you will. Laban's either taking credit or the Samaritan and Arabic versions where he's saying Jacob did it. Verse 52. This heap be witness, and this pillar be witness. And I will not pass over this heap to thee, and that thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me for harm. This heap be witness. This is fitting to the name they both gave it. The verse then says, And this pillar be witness. Well, this was set there by the, for the same reason, isn't it? So let's continue on. That I will not pass over this heap to thee, and that thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me for harm. Now this is not saying that these were boundaries of the country okay it doesn't mean anything like that no because neither of them owned the land this is not saying that it was a breach of the covenant for them to cross over their boundary to enter into their lands it's saying that they will not hurt each other notice Laban told Jacob that if he hurt his daughters in any way the deal's off. They set up boundaries that neither can cross. They cannot war with each other. Okay? And God was their witness. Verse 53. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor and the, the God of their father judge betwixt us and Jacob swear by the fear of his father Isaac. Look what he says here. Who does he mention? The God of Nahor. Laban is probably reconciling or, or, or integrating, if you will, two different beliefs. He's paralleling the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor and Terah, his brother and father. And then, then he elicits Jacob using that fear of Isaac, a reference to the one true God, because he cannot give credence to Laban's religious illusions, can he? They're swearing by the one that they worship. We know who the God of Abraham was. 
But let me remind you something. Something you might have forgotten if you or maybe you didn't go watch all of my videos so far. Abraham's father was an idolater. We we have no idea who Nahor worshipped. But Jacob swore by his father Isaac. Verse 54. Then Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount and called his brethren to eat bread, and they did eat bread, and tarried all night in the mount. So we see here at the start it says, Then Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount, meaning on Mount Gilead. And this was not a religious sacrifice, though, okay? It was, if it was, he could not join in with Laban, okay? He couldn't even admit, admit him to participate in it. No, this was a civil sacrifice. So he either slaughtered an animal or he made one. <laughs> Jarky says that he killed cattle for a feast because, you know, they usually had a feast when they make a covenant, okay? I want you to take a look with me at Genesis chapter 26, and we're going to look at verse 30. And he made them a feast, and they did eat and drink, okay? It makes sense. Because, what do we see next? And called his brethren to eat bread. This was, of course, the men that, that had came with Laban. And also with Jacob. So, he invited them all to eat. To eat in a feast. And by bread, that, just, that does not mean bread. A lot of people, when they see certain words in the Bible, just like how earlier in Genesis we saw meat, and that was just meaning food, we see bread here. Well, bread, that just that means all sorts of food. We often see all sorts of food called bread. Give us this day our daily bread, right? The verse then says, And they did eat bread, and tarried all night in the mountain. This tells us that after, the, after all this took place, it took, it took all day. That they feasted together at night when the covenant was made, and then they all just they stayed there. They stayed there that night. Jacob, of course, he gave thanks to God for protecting him during all of this. And what about you? What about you? When's the last time that you thanked God for all of his goodness? We should, we should do this every day. Every day. All day. And night. Okay? This is not something we should wait till Sunday to do. This isn't something you should, you know, even wait till the end of the day. I mean, you, you should thank God when you wake up in the morning because, hey, I'm awake. I got energy. I can stand. I can walk. I'm not sick. And even if you're sick, thank Him that you're sick. <laughs> Amen. Thank Him for your food. You should thank God all day, and you should do it every day. You should thank Him in the morning. You should thank Him at night. You should thank Him in the day. And it doesn't matter when it is. You know, the line, if you're working on an assembly line like I do, when the line stops, hey, thank you, Jesus. Mean it. Thank him. Anyway, let's moving on. Verse 55, this is the last verse of the day. And early in the morning Laban rose up and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. And Laban departed and returned unto his 
place. The verse starts off with, And early in the morning Laban rose up. So so Laban woke up in the morning. He got up early. He, he prepared to head home. The verse says, And he kissed his sons and his daughters. He, so he went and he said goodbye. He gave kisses to Jacob and his sons. Because, you know, Jacob's sons were his grandsons. He also kissed his daughters, Rachel and Leah, as well as Dinah and his granddaughter. You know, this was a custom. It was a custom of relatives and friends in those countries, you know, during this time when, when they would part. The verse then says, and blessed them. So he wished them, he, he told them, I want you all to be happy, right? And then we see, and Laban departed and returned unto his place, meaning he went home to the city of Haran. And I think I told you this already, and I may have said it several times. We don't hear about Laban again. After this, this is it. Not even, you know, we don't even see when he dies. We only see Jacob mention his name one more time, and that is in Genesis chapter 32, verse 4, when it says, And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye seek unto my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith this, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. That's it. That's the last time. Anyway, Laban, he, he's satisfied here. He kisses his family goodbye, and he goes home. And I think this is a perfect ending, right? This is the last verse of the day. Like I said, that's the, the perfect ending. Because I get to say happy Memorial Day to all of you. I know Monday is Memorial Day, at least here in the United States. I, I know I've got a few people who listen outside of the U.S., Tomorrow, uh, Monday is Labor, uh, yeah, Memorial Day. <laughs> so, I want to make sure to say Happy Memorial Day to all of you. If you haven't already, go back, like I said, Friday or Saturday, because I'm recording this Saturday night. Um, Saturday morning, I recorded an episode on um, on the Witch of Endor. Uh, so I invite you to, if you're over here on the YouTube, uh, YouTube BitChute or Rumble, I invite you to go to the podcast, guys. There's so much over there. Go to Bit, go to go to any podcast service except for Google, who won't let me on there for some reason, and do a search for sermons in the park, and you'll find us there. I did so much. I just did that one on the Witch of Endor, and I think you'd like that one. Go take a listen to it. You know, I, I do deal with some subjects that, you know, I know people don't like hearing but don't forget guys i use my the bible is my entire basis for everything i say you can find it all in there i give you guys verses to go find it you know i did the one on the witch of endor i did the one on marijuana i've done a lot of different ver uh, ones i know you guys will enjoy because like i said last week sometimes you guys ask me about something i've already done a podcast on it go listen to the podcast i've because I've got <laughs> you got sources there, um, and then don't forget, you know, like I said, Friday we'll be interviewing Archbishop Ron. Can't wait to talk to him. You know, as a, me and him, we've we've known each other for a little while, but we haven't really had a deep conversation. So I'm looking really forward to talking with him and recording that for you guys to listen to here on the podcast. Um, so thank you all for joining me here. I pray the Lord continues to bless and keep each and every one of you. And I'll see you all here next time. God bless you. I love you all. 
You have been listening to Sermons in the Park with Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, BitChute, and Rumble. And as always, thank you for listening.